This is Sarah Spencer of the Spencer team, and you're listening to Dishing Dirt with Gary Pickren, South Carolina's only podcast dedicated to the real estate agent's craft. And greetings and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dish and Dirt. I'm your often opinionated but really wrong host, Gary Pickering, coming to you from Blair Cato Pickering Castellan in beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina. This the third week of August 2022. Kids are back in school and the summer sell season, I guess you could say, is officially over. And now we hit that post-school starting sell season. And I hope everybody is ready to get rolling into the fall sell season as well. I have a great show for you today, and I would like to again thank my friend Garrett Maroon. Yet again, he's come up with another top real estate agent guest for me. Sarah Spencer is the president and principal broker of Spencer Realty Service, KW, on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And she joins Dish and Dirt this week to discuss many great growth topics for real estate agents, from learning how to recognize and pick your own niche market, to learning how to market yourself outside of your own MLS and grow your business outside of your traditional market. And I think that's something that we've been looking at and talking about for a while. But in your market, you are limited to the people in your market. And as South Carolina continues to grow and people from all over, from Ohio to Michigan to California continue to move here, is it now time to actually start looking outside of your MLS market? Is it time to now start looking outside perhaps of your city or even out of the state of South Carolina and start looking and see, are there hot areas in the country that are bringing people into Columbia, South Carolina? And if so, how do we market those places? And a lot of that's going to be very inexpensive today with Facebook marketing. But I guarantee you, after today's show, you're going to be left with a lot of great action items. Sarah's got such great information and just an easy to understand and, and un- get where she's coming from on all of her uh, various topics and how she was able to grow her business in such a short period of time and to become one of the most recognized people on the Outer Banks when it comes to investment and vacation type homes. But before I get into my conversation with Sarah, I would like to say again another quick thank you. Cynthia, Kevin, Brew, and myself and the entire team at Blair Cato would like to give our heartfelt thank yous to all of the wonderful people in this industry who have reached out over this past week with such kindness following the passing of our law partner, Rex Casterline. Rex's funeral was last Saturday. The church was full of agents, lenders, builders, people throughout the industry, title insurance companies. Not only was the church filled, the balcony was completely filled. The annex room downstairs was full. And as I understand, there's about 50 people just standing. Uh, One of my friends said he parked many, many blocks away and had to walk to get there, but didn't mind it one bit. Our lobby still looks like, still smells like a floor shop. So many plants, so many flowers. Um, and the lunches that we received last week, our staff really appreciated not having to think about having to go out and get lunch and try to get back to work. So that was a big help. We really appreciate all the real estate agents, all the lenders, title companies, law firms that did so much in this time of grieving. Even competitors were posting great write-ups about Rex. One of our competitors, Ed McDonald, actually sent us lunch uh, on a Friday. Uh, It was just very telling about what kind of person Rex was, but also about our industry. And I've said that many times. We're in the greatest industry in the country. There is no better industry to work in than the real estate industry. Proud to be part of it. And I said it time and time again, best people in the world work in real estate because people in real estate like to help people and like to be there for people, and like to be part of that celebration of somebody finding a home to raise their family. But if you knew Rex as we did, 
he would say, it's now time to get back to work. And while we'll do that, uh, we will never forget our friend, colleague, our brother, Rex Castellan. So, all right, let's go ahead and jump back into Dish and Dirt. Let's get back to trying to help agents become the best they can be at their craft. And so we're going to start that this week with Dish and Dirt, talking with Sarah Spencer. All right, I'm really excited today about our guest because today's guest is a practitioner. And I want to really to bring somebody in that works in the trenches every day with buyers and sellers, because I do believe that when you bring agents on that are very successful and super successful as our guest is today, you can learn a lot from these upper echelon agents. And I've always believed that learning from other agents and implementing what they do in their market and your market can also help you make, make you super successful. Sarah Spencer is our guest today. She is the president and principal broker of Spencer Realty Service with Keller Williams on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, one of the most beautiful vacation areas. If you haven't been, you ought to go. Sarah's a graduate of James Madison University and a native of Richmond, Virginia, where her father was a custom builder. She was introduced very early to the real estate industry and has always had a lifelong love of the real estate industry and now has spent 24 years selling investments in second homes in the Outer Banks area. Now, her strategies today that we're going to discuss are going to be applicable to every market and every niche. So even though she sells the vacation homes, the second homes, and the investment homes, the information and the value that she's going to give you today is things that you're going to be able to take and use in your market, whether you're selling first-time primary residence, vacation homes, or whatever, because what she's got is great information for you today. So really excited to have you on today, and a big welcome to you today, Sarah. Thanks, Gary. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about your journey in real estate. You've been doing it for 24 years. Mm-hmm, Obviously, yeah. you didn't start out being a top 1% type agent. So how did you get to where you are today? Hmm. Well, I was quite young. Um, I was just out of college and I wanted the Outer Banks to be my home. And so I had a decision to make. I could either go into real estate or I could go into restaurant work because <laughs> that's really our options here on the Outer Banks for long term. And um, I had always loved real estate because my father was a builder and it just seemed like a natural fit for me. So I decided to get my license and give that a go. And it was very quickly I realized that I wanted to be in sales. So then I uh, took a assistant ship with one of the top agents in Nagshead and did that for two years. And then I was offered the opportunity to be the broker in charge of a new office for that uh, boutique local family owned brokerage. And I did that in uh, a northern town in, in on the Outer Banks called Kerala. And I was there for another 16 years, honing my craft, as you call it, and learning the ropes. And now I, I am part owner of the Keller Williams here on the Outer Banks and have a team now of four buyer agents, a listing specialist, and two full-time admin. That's been in the last four years. I really ramped up once I joined Keller Williams. And the purpose was that was intentional because I had decided that it was a point in my career where I didn't have capacity any longer to continue to grow the business. So I needed some help, which we call leverage. So I decided to start to use the MREA model to grow that business and uh, just going at it ever since. And of course, all this happened in the midst of the COVID craziness on the Outer Banks. We have two ways to get onto the island and uh, right in the very thick of the beginning of COVID, they shut us down from the world. They had police officers 24 hours a day, seven days a week at the base of both of our bridges and you could not get on the island for five weeks unless you were local. 
that really changed the way we all lived for five weeks. It was right before the summer vacation season of 2020. And when they opened that bridge, there was a line miles long on the other side. And it seemed like every car wanted to buy a house. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. But it was a very big difference between uh, pre and post COVID. So that's been a lot of what my team's been really the opportunity that we've been lucky enough to deal with for the last two years. How long of the 24 years, how many of the 24 years have you been at that top level? Hmm. I I would say probably 22 of them. I, I ramped up pretty quickly. I I was, like I said, when I left the uh, assistantship, I was 26. And I knew that I wouldn't be taken seriously by serious investors in the area of the Outer Banks where I was going. So where I wanted to specialize was the northern parts of the beaches mm-hmm. and very much, very, very heavy investment. And so to go over things like cash flow analysis, and talk about different tax vehicles for buying and selling property and ROIs and cash on cash. Uh, you can, if you look young, they're, they're looking at you like, why should I trust you? Mm-hmm. So uh, I pretty quickly realized I needed a title. So I took on this fancy title of broker in charge, which in the Carolinas isn't, doesn't necessarily back then, especially it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it gave me a little bit more, I think, uh, a little bit more weight with my clients, with my older established investors. So that that became sort of my my door opener to a lot of those opportunities, and then I just went from there. So yeah, I would say probably two years into being um, in Kerala. Yeah. What could, what's your current volume in sales to your team? Last year we did sixty two million. How many units is that? Last year that was eighty three units. So your niche is obviously second homes, and we spent a lot of time on this show talking about finding your niche. Whether it's uh, first-time home buyers, veterans, how did you find your niche, and how did you decide this was what I needed to do, and knew that this would be the area you could be most successful in? Yeah, I, it's probably a really simple answer. I looked to see where the, and you probably just did the math. What is the highest price point? Mm-hmm. Because you know, work smarter, not harder. So I just focused on the the three towns at the time that I just loved the most, that I knew the most. I had vacation there as a kid and I had worked there early on in my career and just decided this is where I want to specialize. And it didn't hurt that that was also the highest price point. But to do that, I really had to scale up on investors and the, and even what the rest of their world looks like. So I would say that niche became something I did systematically identifying who I was working with and then learning their world. I've learned a lot about entire portfolios. So financial advisors have become my friend. Wall Street analysts have become my friends. Um, even uh, people who work in bonds in real estate on Wall Street become my friends and people that I talk with regularly to make sure that I always have a finger on the pulse of what the entire portfolio of my investors look like. So I kind of understand why and when they're calling me. Uh, if the stock market's going badly, I know about what the feel and the tone of the phone calls are going to be. And so I, I have to keep that in mind. Most of my investors, most of our, most of our owners here, not just mine are, if you look at a heat map of, of where our owners come from, they live in Northern Virginia, Richmond and uh, Maryland, DC area, Southern Pennsylvania, some New Jersey. So I really have to know their worlds too. I spend time in Northern Virginia. I teach classes there. 
at other Keller Williams, same in Richmond. So I have a really good relationship with their primary agents in order to understand what they're doing in their primary homes as well. So I would say that's how I do my niche. One well, we got a lot to unpack there because that's a lot of great information. <laughs> so obviously when you decided the niche, you, you yep. obviously quickly decided that was something very important for yep. any agent is to find the niche. I mean, we can't be everything to everybody. Yeah. Right. That, do, you, do you believe that that's one of the areas that we fail in as real estate agents is that we try to yeah. be every type of agent to everybody? I totally, completely agree. Be be who you want to be and then be the best at that, for sure. I get a little frustrated sometimes with agents who do want to grab at everything. And I understand why um, for lots of reasons. We, we don't like to say no and we don't want to turn down business. So I understand that. But at the same time, you can really get yourself in trouble. Some of the intricacies of beach property, even in particular, I do things that my my fellow practitioners in, in city areas um, and inland areas don't deal with. We have flood insurance here that you that people probably aren't familiar with. We have wind and hail riders on our insurance that I'm almost positive most of your listeners um, probably don't know what that is. Liability insurance, if it's a rental home, is something important. We have restrictive overlays here, like uh, CAMA, which is just for Carolina. We have a COBRA area, a Coastal Barrier Resource Act area that's kind of tricky to buy and sell in. We have 404 wetlands. And then contracts to the addendum here can get very complicated. We have vacation rental addendums, which is a state-mandated form, and it requires that owners honor leases within 180 days of the closing. That can get tricky. We have really strange practical problems right now with that, with um, the rise of the popularity of vacation rental by owner and Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. Um, we have bill of sales for a dollar here where we sell whole houses, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of furniture that's been depreciated and now it's being sold to the buyer for a dollar. Uh, so there's a lot that you need to be good at. And, and just like there's a lot you need to be good at in primary markets. For example, I know nothing about our school districts because except for that I'm a mom, but I wouldn't ever have needed to know that. But if I'm going to a primary market in Northern Virginia, obviously that's super important to their clients. So it's just about learning that stuff slowly and building a toolkit. I think a lot of agents these days think that learning their craft is learning how to sell, how to get listing mm-hmm. agreements signed, how to work with buyers. But the two things I heard from you that, that are just mind-blowing is, number one, is that you had to understand all of the intricacies of what this overall product is. It's not yeah. just a house. It's right. a financial transaction. Yes. Yes. So I want to talk about that a little bit. And then secondly, not only understanding the financial aspect and all of being, being the authority on it, really, is yeah. understanding what your clients are going through financially as well, yes. what's going on in the market. And I don't know that we do that enough as agents. We concentrate on just the house. So yes. I can learn how to sell a house. I can learn how to do this. But yeah. it's understanding the market. And as agents today, we're dealing with high interest rates that are skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with low inventory. So yeah. it seems to me we need to be doing more about this. More. Yeah. So how I think you, this education been for you? Yeah, I think you need to hone your skills even more. Double down on your skills and double down on what you're best at and then tell the world that. Tell the world what your brand is. Are you good at one thing and really good at it? Then tell everybody because you might know that and your clients that have worked with you, but no one else knows that. Right. Um so yeah, I think to be sure that you are staking your claim, put your flag in the ground and say, this is who I am. I'm really, really good at relocations or whatever it might be. And then really, truly be good at that. Don't just say it. You got to get good at it. Take classes, listen to seminars, do podcasts, whatever it takes to get really good at that. And then create a network. 
so that you can how to do them. this because I mean you're obviously extremely successful and I'm sitting here kind of in awe and, and I work with hundreds of real estate agents but I'm kind of in awe when you started talking about understanding all of the different you know talking to the financial advisors understanding the portfolios understanding how the bond market works and what's going on who in the world taught you that or is that just something you figured I got to know all this stuff because I'm dealing with very rich people and this is what they're dealing with I think, yeah, I, I would say that's a fail forward. Uh, I wish I had a better answer for you. <clears throat> but I, I think what would happen is when I'm talking to my clients and they would mention something, I, I didn't know what it, what they meant. Then I would write it down and then I would hang up the phone and learn everything I could about that. So I, I that's, I, I remember doing that as a, uh, as a young kid agent. So maybe that just be listening to your clients, let them talk and listen. And if there's some part of the conversation that you don't understand fully, really well, so that you can talk back to them, then write it down and then go become an expert at it. Um, the first time I heard about um, a 1031 tax deferred exchange, I'm sure I had no idea what they were talking about. So I went out and found a qualified intermediary and I took him to lunch. Mm-hmm. And then actually most recently, I don't stop learning. Um, j- most recently, I learned of a vehicle within the tax laws that's been greenlighted called a Delaware Statutory Trust. And it is a way to move money tax uh, deferred rather than buying a replacement property. I had never heard of it before. And it, it's relatively new in the tax laws. So again, I've said, I reached out and I, who's the best at this that's within a drive of me? And I in- invited them to the beach and we picked their brains. So you know, you just, you, you, once you hear things, grab it. And once you find somebody who's willing to talk to you, stay their friend, send a fruit basket on a regular basis because <laughs> that's what I do. And then they're, you know, they talk to me anytime I, I have a question. Uh, one of my clients actually is that bond, the real estate, uh, bond Wall Street guy. And so every once in a while, I'll just text him and go, Hey, tell me what you're feeling. Particularly yesterday. I, I texted him the day before yesterday, knowing the feds were going to make a decision. I said, tell me what you're feeling. And you know, he's, he just opened up. That's another world that it, while it's connected to mine, if you don't reach out to them, they're not going to call you and go, Hey, were you curious about what, what we think is going on? So you got to reach out to them. But I, I would say, yeah, the short answer, which I didn't just give, <laughs> but the short answer is, um, anytime you're not sure or you don't know something, that's an opportunity to learn. Write it down and then go, go Google it and then go learn it. Well, it seems like what you've done is you've positioned yourself on the outer banks as the authority and, and that is an outstanding place to be as a real estate agent is that when people are coming to you, let's, let's face it, the reason people hire real estate agents are looking for advice, counsel, and advocacy. Yeah. The rest yeah. of the stuff, the information is all over the internet. I don't need you for information. I can find every house that's for sale in the Outer Banks in about two right. seconds. Yeah, so yeah. I don't need information. I need somebody who's the authority who knows what I don't know and what I need yes. to be aware of. So there's a yes. 1031 vehicle. There's a Delaware vehicle. I don't know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I do think uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough too that I have purchased some investment property and going through that yourself, if, if anyone is considering becoming an expert in investment property is a really great way to learn because you come up with questions that you never realized your clients even knew to ask. So that's a great way to learn also. Uh, and I think in doing that, you find some extra ways that you can be special to your clients too and become that authority like you mentioned. So, yeah, do, buy, buy investment property yourself. <laughs> That's another recommendation. here, I think, applies to whether you're in a vacation area like mm-hmm. Outer Banks or whether you're selling in a community like Columbia or Greenville. If you want to be the lake authority, be the lake authority. Know everything about the lake, when it was developed, how it was yep. developed, what any special rules are about docks. 
It, it amazes me that people call themselves the Lake Authority and they don't understand the 362 contour line. What does he? What does that mean? They call you and you're like, "How are you the Lake Authority when you don't know what the contour line is?" Yeah, um, yeah. And so, and, and it's even beyond that. I think too, if we're going to sell, I'm going to be the VA expert. I'm going to be the veteran expert. Then you need to know everything there is to know about veteran yes. loans. How do they work? How do you get eligible? Mm-hmm. How does it eat up your eligibility on assignability and things of that nature? And don't be afraid to not be the expert of something else. I, I have turned down clients and referred them to someone else because I said I wouldn't be doing you a service if I if you hired me. But I know who does. I've got a, some great friends and um in southern eastern Virginia, and they specialize in military relocations. That's fantastic. I could never be good at that unless I started today and again skilled up. And rather than do that, how about I just have I create a great experience for my clients that ask me about that and give them to Kaleo and Jordan and they have a fantastic experience and that's what they remember about me. I refer them to experts. So don't be afraid to again create a network and and say no and then say yes when it is your your specialty. When you know that contour line, that's okay. That'll feel better, I promise in the long run than than barely doing a good job and and possibly wondering could I have given them better service. An agent here in Columbia told me the other day, people don't realize real estate's a full-time job. Heck it's yeah. It's an easy job. It's a hard job. It and is. If you want to be to the level of Sarah, you have to educate yourself beyond in a, a, the simplistic part of selling real estate. There's so yeah. much more that gets involved. And I think what you're telling us proves the point. If you want to be the best at your craft and you want to be one of the top 1% in the market, you can't just be like every other agent that knows how to, I can open a door for you and show you how to fill out a contract. You've got to know beyond your market. What is yeah. the financial market's going to be? Which is where I want to go with you next. As you mentioned, you were talking to your uh, the financial guy. Mm-hmm. How does the economy right now affecting your second home market and your investment market? How is that going to play yeah. out for you? Well, well, it's a TBD right now, and I'll tell you why. Because right now, uh, we are just moving out of the season, the spring market here, where we sell a house and a pile of money. Mm-hmm. Pretty attractive. So if you were to call me tomorrow and say, I decided that I want to buy a house on the Outer Banks and I need it to be an investment, tell me what you got. Well, the good news is if, I, if you call me in March, April or May and even into June, I can say I have this million dollar house and it's making $100,000 a year. So that means that you are getting that $100,000 when you close because likely that money is on the books from June on. So that's pretty attractive. Mm-hmm. And that covers up a lot of bumps in the underlying market and the buyer confidence. So what we're going to see moving into the summer when that giant pile of money is now shrunk to almost nothing by the time you close, now we really see what the appetite is in the buyer market for what we have right now in inventory. Right now, it's being buoyed a little bit by that extra money. Mm-hmm. Once that money is gone, what what buyers really are out there now for these for these houses when they know they're going to have to hold it through a lot of the season that isn't as much money? We still pay our owners yeah. regularly uh, month to month, but it's still going to be something that's not as attractive. So the fall will really show us where we are. Put as much time getting ready for the objections of, of people. And obviously that's going to be an objection. Somebody has, well, there's no rental income coming yeah. on. Yeah. So how much time do you spend being ready for the, those objections and having information at your fingertips to go back at them? Constant, constant, constant. Every day I want to know what I would need to say to somebody if they ask me that question. Every day I need to know what the rates are. Every day I need to know about what the inventory looks like. Every day I need to know what the top three 
houses are to right now that I think if I were going to buy it, if I were an investor, these are the three I'd look at. It's, it's constant. Um, cause that's the way you give the best spot on advice, particularly in a shifting market. So yeah, I, I would say, uh, again, it's, it, it, this really just is about educating yourself as their, as their top consultant every single day. Uh, Jim Remley, who was a former, uh, National Association of Realtor instructor, he was on podcast. I think it came out uh, this week and he was talking about the same thing. When they're talking about interest rates, you can show them historically how our interest rates are still better than they've been uh, historically over the last 27 years. It's still, yeah. And so you need to be prepared, agents, that when somebody has an objection, interest rates are too high or I won't have anywhere to live if I sell my house. Have your objection uh, handlers ready. Have whatever your, your comeback is going to be. Already know what your response is going to be so that it's not going right. to be a problem for you. Exactly. Uh, Typically this time of year, um, and, and this goes for most of my years uh, selling real estate, the summer is oftentimes uh, a little bit of a slow spot for us, but that also gives an opportunity for the right buyer because while it's slow, there could be some good deals under just underneath that nobody's really paying attention to under the radar. And so summer is a great time to pick those up. Mm-hmm. So while you might not get the pile of money, you might still get the better deal, the cherry house. Right in the front end. Very good. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have for the show today. We will have Sarah Spencer back on again next week, and we'll finish our conversation with her and learn even more about how to develop your own niche and how to market yourself even outside of your market. A lot of great stuff still to come from Sarah next week. If you like us, please like us, share us, subscribe to us. Most importantly, please tell all the other real estate agents in the market all about Dish and Dirt so they too can listen to Dish and Dirt and hopefully improve their craft. We'll see you again next week. Hope you'll have a wonderful weekend.